two readings today, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, and I'll read them one after the other. So the first one is from 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, starting at verse 12. The Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. The second reading is from Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's just pray before we begin. Lord God, uh, we just come to you with open hearts and open minds um, to listen to what you have to say to us today. Amen. Um, now, before this job, I was a, a primary school teacher um, and occasionally at lunch and break time, you would have some children might come to the classroom door and just say, do you have any jobs for us to do? Um, sharpening pencils, tidying book corner, all that sort of stuff. These children are usually... Um, the most polite and well-behaved children um, and occasionally if I did say yes you can come in and they were getting on with their jobs I might have to pop out into the corridor and do a few jobs myself um, and when I'd come back into the classroom uh, they would automatically change their behaviour no matter how kind of well-behaved they were being they would still change because I'd suddenly come back into the room and um, they would go a little bit quieter and they'd tidy up a bit like more quickly um, I mean, she sounded like a really controlling teacher. I wasn't. Um, but it was basically because they knew that when um, when they were there, it was a privilege for them. And ultimately, I had the decision. Um, so when I walked through the door, they wanted to make sure that they had every right to be there and they wanted to prove themselves to me. They humbled themselves because they knew that I had the authority and I had the final word. Um, and let's be honest, if I didn't have the higher authority it would be unsafe for them and it would be harmful for the children if the teacher wasn't in control and so for their sake 
I had to have the higher authority. In the two Chronicles passage that was read, God told King Solomon that the people needed to humble themselves. They needed to recognise who had authority and who was God. They needed to humble themselves, pray and turn back to him so that God could hear, forgive and heal their land. Um, Just a month before lockdown, my boyfriend and I went to one of the days of the Christian conference called Natural Supernatural. Um, And that evening after um, the session, they actually called up any parents of those who had walked away from faith or who had never connected with God before. Um, And what followed was probably 100 people, um, different ages, a lot of them kind of my parents' age, were walking up to the front. Some single people, some in in couples, um, and a lot of them just crying, instantly crying. As I looked at the crowd, my heart broke once again. I broke for all those parents and their kids. I looked at each each individual parent and I thought of the Sunday mornings they'd had to make an effort to get their kids to church, of the late night prayers said beside the bed, of the countless prayers prayed over them. My heart broke for the churches who had spent time and energy investing in those kids and praying for them. And still, those kids didn't know and hadn't connected with God. How can... How I don't understand how people can be in a community in our churches and still not know God. What's going on in that? I've known it before and I've known it again, but something has to change in our churches. Too many of my friends have walked away from church and from faith and from God. Too many 20s and 30-something, my sort of age, don't see the relevance of God in their lives. And I mean, I am a crier. (laughs) Most people know that. But when I saw those parents walk up to the front instantly, I cried. All I could think of, um, all I could think is if the church doesn't change, then more parents will be walking up to that front in 10 and 20 years time. And I cried. I don't want to let our kids and our young people go through the motion of church for 18 years and walk out the other side, not knowing God, not being connected with him, not knowing how much he loves them and he is for them. But I'm grateful that I cried and I cried and in my tears. I sat there and I asked God for change. When we go to God for surrender and renewal, he gives us an opportunity for him to change us. Just like God was saying to King Solomon, if they humble themselves, if they pray, if they seek me and they turn to me, I will hear hear them and I will forgive them and I will heal their land. As a church, we have to be a community humbled. We have to surrender to God and we have to ask for renewal. Otherwise, people won't know God's goodness in their lives unless we do that. So how can we be a community humbled? We humble ourselves individually. There's that quote um, that sometimes is said, uh, individual renewal leads to corporate change. It starts with us. Now, feels like I'm changing the topic slightly, but... I'm a big tea drinker, like in both sense of the word. Um, I love drinking lots of tea and um, I love having big cups of tea. I'm just going to show you a few of mine. Uh, the Faint family always taking the mickey out of me and my mugs. I mean, there are more mugs in there than I could fit in my house probably. Um, this is kind of the size of the mugs as well. Do a face comparison there. <laughs> They're huge. I love tea. I love lots of it and I love big quantities of it. 
But the thing is, when I go to people's house, and some of you are going to be thinking, have I ever offered her tea before? Uh, when I go to people's house and they offer me tea, I always feel a little bit nervous. Um, it's a bit of a risk for me. I like my tea strong with a little bit of milk. If you heard that, take note. No, I'm joking. Um, and I, I think it reminds me a bit of when I used to go to my nana's and she would make tea and it m- more likely resembled like murky water. Uh, rather than actual tea so I kind of stopped saying yes to tea at her house um, and when I spent a year in South Africa and um, I decided that I just had to start drinking coffee after a couple of months because um, I mean they do coffee well so it makes it a little bit easier um, but I just couldn't face going to somebody's house and them offering me tea and in my head all I could think was well well, is it rooibos tea? Are you going to put sugar in it? Is it long life milk? I just can't deal with it <laughs> uh, so coffee it was that year um, and as much as I love and adore tea, I'd rather not have it if it was going to be anything less than my standard of tea. Uh, I just don't want to compromise. I want good tea or I want no tea. For me, there is no compromise. Can you see where I'm going with this? Um, are you ready for the analogy? God wants you to be the best cup of tea. He would rather not have you as a cup of tea if you are going to be a mediocre tea. That's what he means in this passage of being lukewarm. He wasn't specifically talking about tea, but uh, that's what he means in this passage of being lukewarm in your faith. Either be hot or cold, there is no middle ground. There is no, I'll do this for God, but not that. God would rather you not be a follower than a mediocre one. Individually, we have to realise that God should have ultimate authority. We have to humble ourselves individually and exalt him in order for our faiths not to become lukewarm. It's a continual surrender and a continual humbling and recognising who God is. When I went to volunteer in South Africa, as I mentioned, I thought I was going to support them when, as cheesy as this sounds, actually they were so much richer than me, not in finances, but in faith. They were full of faith in God that I hadn't ever experienced in a group of people before. They had a realisation that we can't even imagine of how evil this world can be, how unjust this world can be. But they knew God deeper and more tangibly than I had known him up until that point. That year changed my faith because I saw people who were individually humbled. They knew God's authority and his power and his love. If they didn't have God, they didn't have much else. Their faith was on fire. How easy is it for us in West Wickham to be lukewarm in our faith? The church that this letter from Revelation was written to was was a similar church to ours. They were a wealthy city with thriving banks and they were comfortable. So comfortable that uh, it says they didn't realise they were actually spiritually impoverished. They were spiritually poor. They were wretched pitiful poor blind and naked this year though even in West Wickham it hasn't been that comfortable think back to before March 2020 when life was a little bit more comfortable we were going around doing our bits ticking our to-do list planning ahead strategizing thinking dreaming imagine that we are inside the church doing our things singing talking praying brainstorming planning connecting and the whole time Jesus is standing at the door of our church and knocking on the door. Would we hear him in our busyness? 
Would we hear him in our doing and talking and planning? Jesus owns the church. He doesn't have to knock at the door. but He wants us to hear him. He wants us to open our beautiful wooden door that we have in our church and welcome him in. He wants us to recognise it is his church. He wants, to, he wants to sit with us. He wants to dwell amongst us. This year has forced us to stop. It's forced us to stop singing, stop planning, stop brainstorming. Stop brainstorming. There's been so much unknown, but I wonder how much more it has encouraged us to stop, to humble ourselves, to recognise that by our own strength, we cannot change and transform lives. This helping to transform lives um, can only happen through the power of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives, in our settling and in, in our integrating that Dan talked about last week. We need to welcome Jesus into our church. We are individuals. We need to humble ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit to be the wind in ourselves. So how are we going to be give, using the t- How are we going to use the time that has been given to us at the moment? Are we going to wait for whatever it was like before March 2020 and before to go back to how it was? Because I don't want to go back to the way things were before. And I've had conversations with some of you and I know that some of you don't want to go back to the way that things were before. I don't want want us to try and uh, carry on the kingdom stuff without the king. I don't want to see our parents walking up the front, parents in our church, walking up the front for prayer in 20 years time because our kids and our young people never connected and never knew God for themselves. I don't want another generation of people to not know the goodness and the power and the love of God. I don't know what I want it to be like, but that's okay. Because in our humbling and in our surrender, God is renewing us for how he wants us the church to be let's use this time for god's glory let's be a community humbled a community coming together coming together to god in surrender a community wanting renewal kids have you finished your coat hangers yet i bet they look amazing if you have send a picture onto the whatsapp group what you can do is you can hang your coat hangers into up in your garden on a tree like this can you see how the wind's blowing through it and like that (laughs) i was thinking it wasn't going to move then how the wind's blowing through it and it's so easily molded by the wind around it Now, I've been talking to the adults about being humbled, about surrendering ourselves to God. And I want us all to be encouraged to be so easily moved and shaped by God's spirit that we are like these coat hangers. And as soon as God's spirit works through us, we we are humbled and we are renewed. We surrender to him. In the message version of the... Bible passage that was read earlier on in Revelations. Verse 22 says, Are your ears awake? Listen, listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. Be the coat hanger in the wind, so easily molded and moved by the power of God. So we are a community of what? We are a community of Jesus followers, a community of exiles. And a community that has been called to be humble. Being drawn near to God for surrender and renewal.
Let's humble ourselves and let's ask the Holy Spirit to be the wind in our sails. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the Spirit blowing through the churches.